Welcome to the Highland Church Podcast, where we share biblical teaching to glorify God and to bless you. This year, we're talking about my part, God's plan. God has a purpose for you, and that purpose is a part of God's bigger plan for the world. Now, if you connect with what you hear today, I hope you'll join us online Sundays at 10 a.m., or that you'll join us on-site right here in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, let's jump into today's teaching, and don't forget, you're part of God's Here we go, we got four. Hey, good morning, church. This is our youth staff here. We've got Ted, Hannah, and Donnie, who are our youth ministers here at Highland. You're going to hear from them in just a second. Today, as you know, is our senior Sunday when we are blessing our graduating seniors. So we're going to end this time of sharing by inviting our seniors up here onto stage. And one of our shepherds, Jeff Rizell, saying a prayer of blessing over them. But we'll do that here in just a few moments. Before we jump in this morning, you're going to hear from them in just a second. I want to do a brief update, and that is on our missionary who was traveling into Ukraine this week, and I asked you to be praying for him. He had to go to get passports for his daughters, ended up having to take his 12-year-old daughter with him because by law she had to appear uh, before the court to receive her passport. So traveled 11 hours one way into this conflict with his daughter and then was able to get the passports and safely return. And so I, I just want to thank you because I got text messages all week from people who don't even go to Highlander who are just watching us online. And then so many Highlanders asking if he had made it, and he did. So I'm thankful to the Lord for that, and I'm thankful to you all for praying. Okay, again, today's the day where we're blessing our young people, our seniors as they graduate. And so last year at this time, I invited the youth staff up on stage, and they shared about their vision for the formation of our young people. And we're going to do something similar today. Barna Group, which is the leading Christian research organization in America and does research in America and around the world, they released a book not long ago. The book is called Faith for Exiles. Faith for Exiles. And it's talking about the experience of forming faith in young people in today's world where so many feel like aliens and strangers because of their belief in God. And Barna coined this term, resilient discipleship, that the aim of the body of Christ in connection to those we are forming into Christ, that our aim is to form them into resilient disciples. That is, disciples whose faith will last through life's up and downs. Their faith is resilient. So they did this big exhaustive study, and they found that there are five keys to a resilient disciple's faith. So if these five things are present, their faith will probably last. And what we were encouraged to find is that these were the five things we were already aiming at uh, in our youth ministry. And so we've put them in our own words this morning. You'll hear that from our youth ministers in a second in their own language, but you also see in parentheses below that the language that Barna supplies. And so let me point you first before we look at that to Psalm 78. And I'm going to show you this again in a couple of weeks. We're going to go a little bit deeper. But let me just remind you of the, the function or the purpose of the people of God, the mature people of God, what their responsibility is. Look at this. We will tell the next generation. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. Why? So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. And then, pay attention to this, they would put their trust in God, would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. 
So that's what we're aiming for as the body of Christ here. And you're going to hear from our youth ministers this morning as they try to form in our young people uh, resilient discipleship. And as they join with parents and mentors and other disciples makers here in doing that very thing. So Donnie, tell us what is the first key to resilient discipleship? All right, so, sorry. So the, the, <laughs> uh, the first key is this. I like, like following Jesus. And I know I just brought up uh, in your minds, for some of you, your middle school crush, and I'm sorry if that's a painful memory. Uh, and this is not that. But to kind of understand what I am talking about, I do want to tell you about my crush. The first time that I met my wife, Bethany, uh, I went back and saw, was immediately around some of my friends and said, hey, I just met my wife. And I knew instantly that I really liked her. Uh, Things got a little bit scandalous a couple of weeks later when we hired her to be a summer intern for us in the youth group. And I was her boss for three months, but that was a short-lived experience. And, uh, and she came no, and worked. That is a good joke. Did you catch it? <laughs> okay, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> uh, okay. She came that summer, and, and we worked together. Um, I did not talk to her much that summer. I acted like a middle school boy most of the summer uh, because I did not want to reveal my feelings and, or my interests. And uh, at the end of the summer, I, uh, we, we went and hung out after intern day before she left to go back home. And I said, hey, Bethany, I like like you. Uh, do you want to hang? Well, do you like like me? And, uh, and it turned out she did. And... Uh, and suddenly I was willing to drive three hours every weekend to see her and leave uh, early, early Sunday morning to drive three hours back to be back here for church. And I would try to extend that time out as long as I could uh, to get back, in, back here in time uh, to be here for class. I was willing, I hate talking on the phone, and I was willing to call her and talk to her multiple times a day. Um, and and I, I just wanted to be around her. I couldn't get enough of being with her and wanting to know her better. And, um, and I liked, liked her, and I still do, so that's a good thing. Um, and, and I think that's a good picture of what a resilient disciple is with Jesus. And I'm not talking about having a crush or uh, have, having Jesus think of Jesus like your significant other, but that relationship changed everything for me. And your relationship with Jesus should change everything for you. And someone that's a resilient disciple has this deep joy and fulfillment that comes solely from their relationship with Jesus. Uh, like, you just enjoy being with Jesus, and you can't get enough of it. And, and I think I, we get to experience that every week when we gather here and see Brescian on stage. Because there is no dance club in the world, and there is no karaoke bar in the world that Brescian would rather be at than be up here on this stage worshiping Jesus. And somebody that's a resilient disciple and that likes, likes following Jesus, they uh, love worship because they can't get enough of Jesus. And, uh, and when Brucian stands up here and says, man, it's the greatest thing in the world to be a Christian, that's not just some trite phrase that he is saying. That is a formative statement that uh, reminds us that we have the greatest thing in the world in a relationship with Jesus. And it should be the very thing that shapes everything we do and all that we say and how we act every moment of our week uh, because Jesus is that awesome. 
Uh, and students uh, that have that kind of experience and intimacy with Jesus, it gives them resilience. Uh, it helps them to keep following Jesus uh, even when they don't feel like it or things aren't going their way because they know this. They know that God is good and that God is faithful and that there's nothing better that the world offers because Jesus offers it all. Uh, and I'm reminded in the fall, uh, one of our ninth graders uh, who, whose youth group experience has been mildly affected by COVID, uh, and uh, we had a big event in the fall, and she got in uh, her car uh, with her parents that night. And the first thing she said is, I love my church so much. She told her parents this. And it wasn't just because she just had fun at church. It was because, or I don't think it was because she just had fun at church. I think it was because she knows that the good things in her life and the, the central things of who she is and her identity are all surrounded in Jesus. And when she, what she experienced that night was a closeness to Jesus uh, that shaped her and gave her some resiliency in her faith. And that's what she has, and that's what we're trying to develop in our students. Yeah. So think about the people in your life who you are praying for or trying to form on behalf of Jesus Christ. What your prayer is that their greatest joy would be in Christ and their greatest affection would be for Christ. Okay, and that's what you're hearing Donnie say is number one when it comes to discipleship that lasts. Hannah, tell us about number two. What's the second thing on this list? Yeah, so the second key to being a resilient disciple is that God's word is the go-to place uh, to receive wisdom for how to engage in the world that we exist in. And so, you know, I think for a lot of us, not just teenagers, uh, the Bible can feel like a pretty complicated and daunting book to try to read. Um, you know, I think we, a lot of us, we go through times where it's better or not as good whenever we're trying to read it. And I think we can pick it up and we can often think, you know, I try to read the Bible, but I don't really feel like it really applies to me or I can't really get anything from it. You know, I'm sure if you've read the book of Numbers, you can relate to that, right? It's not a super relatable book right now. Um, or maybe you feel like there are parts of the Bible that are really difficult to understand or even accept as part of our lives. Or maybe um, you think when you try to read the Bible, man, I just don't have the time for it, right? I'm trying to squeeze this into my life and, and create time that really just doesn't exist in my life right now. You know, these are some of the challenges I think a lot of us face um, when we're thinking about making God's Word the go-to resource um, for our everyday lives. You know, and I don't think it's much of a surprise that we're living in a pretty complicated world. Um, it's only getting more complicated. Um, at this moment in history, we all have instant access to information that has sort of become the go-to place um, to make sense of the world around us. And so you see this book, Faith for Exiles, um, that we pulled these ideas from, kind of talks a lot about how all of the information that, that we have the capability to receive is often more exhausting than it is freeing. And so, you know, we're overloaded with choices, right? We become more image conscious people, right? We see a filtered reality and we're only given a sense of interaction and participation, right? And this is only the beginning of it. But in order to be resilient disciples, teenagers and all of us must know that just because we have instantaneous access to information, that doesn't equal wisdom. We believe it is vital for teenagers to have a high view of scripture as the compass for how to engage in the world around them and to be the ultimate source for wisdom. This spring, our youth group has been engaging in a study of Psalm 119, which has been this awesome study just about um, meditating and delighting in God's word. You know, we learned just this morning um, 
in this chapter that, that God's word can be the lamp on the ground that lights the path when things seem dark. Uh, we want them to know that the Bible won't answer every specific question you have about life, um, but it can provide wisdom that enables us to make those decisions wisely. We don't want to just stop there, though, and just believing that when times are tough, you can turn to the Bible like a magic eight ball or a fortune cookie to get the answers you need, right? We also want students to have joy and a desire to seek out God's word. We want students to know the whole gospel story from creation to fall to redemption to restoration and how knowing that full story can help them realize that this is not just a book about drawing us away from the things that destroy, but is designed to drive us towards the things that bring joy. We have students um, who journal, who take notes during Bible teaching, have deep discussion with a lot of our volunteers and huddle leaders um, and their peers, right? These are the practices that help students listen to what God is telling them specifically through scripture. God's word is literally an extension of himself. Um, I talked about this last year a little bit, but I, I love the analogy in James about where God's word is like a mirror where we can see ourselves most clearly. Um, but the Bible not only shows us ourselves, um, it's also in a window that enables us to see the glory of God. Um, and when you experience the glory of who God truly is, I really believe um, that every person, not just teenagers, um, can, can, can and will be committed um, to making the Bible that go-to resource for wisdom. Thanks, Hannah. So, I, I mean, you hear her saying, think about this, and think about how freeing this is. Don't you ever feel like it's your responsibility to say the right thing to somebody, just like the magical words that'll to give them the wisdom they need, they'll fix them? That is not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to point to the authority of God's Word, right? And so somebody whose life is guided by God's Word above all is a good life. That is a good life. Okay, Hannah, we're going to hear from our teenagers about the third key. Introduce that for us before we hear from them. Yeah, so another key to being a resilient disciple is that teenagers have people that love them into loving Jesus. And so what we mean by that is that teenagers feel like church is a place that they belong in, um, that they have a part in, um, that there are people in their life that encourage them spiritually. You know, there's a lot of research about students need at least five adults, not parents, in their life that encourage them spiritually um, to, to have a faith that lasts. Um, and then they have adults in their life that they consider, like, friends that encourage them spiritually and that pour into them about their faith. And so rather than us talking about um, adults that do that in their life, we thought it would be great for you guys to hear from two seniors that have had people in, in their life here at Highland that have encouraged them and loved them into loving Jesus. So we're going to hear from them. Because I've been a part of this church family my whole life, many people came to mind when I was asked this question. Um, I would say as a child, Miss Michelle played a major role in my faith because um, it's hard to understand faith and your beliefs as a kid, but Miss Michelle was welcoming and I remember loving Kingdom's Kids because it was a place where I felt loved and safe. Um, and I thank her a lot for that. As I grew up, the Frizzell family played a major role in helping me continue to grow my faith. Um, they made learning about God fun and I enjoyed going to class and listening to what they taught because they made it relatable and interesting for a kid my age. Um, I would say right now in my life, Breeshan Hatcher has had the greatest impact on my faith. Um, being 18 and having a job and going to school and making college decisions, it's easy to worry about the wrongs and the rights and it's hard to make time for my family and friends. Um, and to find a time to sit down and read my Bible, but worship can be done at any time or any place, no matter what I was doing. 
um, it's been a time where I feel at peace and it helps me focus on what matters, which is my faith. Um, coming to church and listening intently to the words we sing and how they relate to my life has brought me a lot of comfort. It helps me focus on all the blessings that I have been given and that God is working in my life, even in times where I feel overwhelmed and under pressure. And the energy that He brings to the stage on Sundays and Wednesdays keeps me engaged and on my toes, and it keeps me eager to grow in my faith and get deeper in my walk with God. And I know that going into college, um, worship will be something that I will always love, and I thank Brayshen for that. Someone who has influenced me into continuing to grow in my faith is Robbie Betts. Robbie has been here at Highland for years and years and years, and has been such an influence to both me and so many people in my grade. Starting in seventh grade, he was our huddle leader and has continued to be our huddle leader even till our 12th grade class, even today. He's also taught us at Camp Highland every single year and has just been a light in our world, whether it's just encouraging us every single Sunday with both scripture and being concerned in our lives or just helping out behind the scenes with Miss Laurie, with HopeWorks Breakfast, with anything the church needs from him. He's truly been an inspiration to me and I know so many others in my class and I have enjoyed spending time with him as a member of HYG throughout all my years. Robbie has been here for years and years and years. He's a long time. How old is that guy? Uh, okay, that's number three. You have people who are influencing, influencing you for Jesus Christ, loving you into loving Jesus. Ted, tell us about number four. Uh, so number, number four is to put in a good word for Jesus. And I believe that goes perfectly um, with the last one. And I see a lot of y'all got like some wet eyes. So um, pass those tissues down the aisle. Um, but I believe this church is a per perfect testament of putting in a good word for Jesus. Um, at Camp Highland last year and until now, we've had about 10 baptisms um, with two more coming in the coming weeks in HYG. And that's just a beautiful thing and a beautiful testament of, of not us, but you guys. Um, there may be parents in here. There may be grandparents in here. And that is you guys putting in a good word for Jesus in your home and making faith an important factor and saying, in this house, I'm going to show you how to follow Jesus. And I'm not going to show you how to follow Jesus perfectly because I'm not perfect. I'm going to show you follow Jesus the way and the best that I can. And also, you guys, their church family has been doing that as well of putting in a good word for Jesus. Now, some of you saying, I may, you may not have ever talk, spoken to any of these teenagers a day in your life because they, they, they're always so stinking. It's like, let me just keep my distance from them. And that might be true. Um, but they are watching you, and they are looking up to you, and there are people in this room that these teenagers are watching, and then they say, man, I want to have faith like that when I grow up. I want to have a marriage like that when I grow up. I want to be like this person or this person. And you are just putting in a good word for Jesus just by simply living your life and showing up to church consistently on Sunday and these teenagers are watching. Um, and, and, and part of the reason that I'm here today is because somebody did that for me and there's many people that did that for me. Um, part of my story is that I grew up in a single family household and uh, I lacked the presence of a male role model. I lacked the presence of a father. And, and through that time, 
um, throughout all those years of lacking the, male, uh, the presence of a male role model, there's a verse that stuck out to me. And it, and it goes with, with, with everything we're talking about. It comes from uh, Romans 12. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great clouds of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Now, at the age of 24, I look at that verse differently than I did at the age of 12. Because after that, Jesus uh, provided a surplus of men, male role models in my life and many role models in my life that put in a good word for Jesus, that introduced me to the faith of Jesus Christ. And, and now I have, I have them to thank uh, for, this, for this faith journey that I'm on and introducing me to that. And our students are doing that as well, of putting in a good word for Jesus and sharing their faith. Part of the reason that we have such a successful youth group is because of our students. They're constantly sharing their faith. They're constantly bringing their friends to church. And it's, it's awesome. There's, there's nothing that lights up our eyes on Wednesday nights when it's just a new, new student coming in. And it's, be, and it's like, well, who do you know here? It's like, well, this person invited me. You're like, oh, man, look at that kid. He's awesome. And it's them putting in a good word for Jesus. Mm. Oh, so this is part of the, the purpose of the body of Christ is that we share faith with, with someone so that they would share their faith with somebody else. And the ability to share your faith is part of what makes faith sticky. It makes it last. Donnie, in the last minute or two, tell us about number five. All right, so the last one is never doubt your influence. And, you know, I can talk to teenagers any day, but you guys are scary. And so we've spent a lot of time uh, work thinking about this morning, praying about this morning. And, um, and, and do you know what the most important ministry that any of us would do this morning is, is if one of us said hey to a teenager that feels like they're never noticed? And I, I say that not to say what I'm saying is, or what we're saying is unimportant. I say that just to highlight the role that you don't have to have a microphone. You don't have to be a paid minister. You don't have to do something grand or big to make a difference in somebody's life. Uh, never doubt your influence. Um, a resilient disciple knows that. Uh, Colossians 3, they take Colossians 3.17 seriously. It says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord because they feel a calling to use their influence and their talents to encourage people and bless people and make a difference in people's lives. And all they're doing, all you do when you never doubt your influence is you're just simply making God more obvious to those around you. Uh, whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or a, a stay-at-home mom, uh, it makes a difference. And I've witnessed this in a couple of ways, uh, and I want to share, share this one. Um, 13 years ago, we used to do Tuesday night devotionals during the summer. And uh, it was just another thing we had during our week. And they were great. We did them at people's homes. But we didn't want to prepare another lesson, so we asked teenagers to do it. So we asked a 17-year-old uh, teenager named uh, Taylor Chadwell to speak at the uh, TND at the end of the summer. And he said something that night that I have never forgotten since that night. And he said this. God never gives you something that he intends for you to keep to yourself. Let me say that again. God never gives you something that he intends for you to keep to yourself. And that statement from a teenager has influenced me ever since. Um, I think about it when I give. I think about it when God is faithful to me and provides for me in some, some significant way. That I can't just keep that to myself as like, oh, that feels good, and I'm glad, glad he did that for me. No, like, I need to share that with other people and tell other people what God's done in my life. 
Um, I think about it with my own kids, that the most valuable thing I have to, sh to give to my kids is a testimony of how God's working in my life. Uh, God never gives you something that he intends for you to keep to yourself. Um, and, and he was just a teenager teaching a youth minister what it looks like to follow Jesus. And, and I'm, I'm so thankful for that uh, because um, it, it's, uh, it's what a resilient disciple does. It's someone that uh, receives from the Lord and shares it with anybody he comes into contact with. And that's what uh, we're trying to instill in our students, to never doubt their influence, no matter where they are or what they're doing or who they're with. So what you've heard today is really important. And I, I challenge you, sorry, I'm dropping things. I challenge you to, to think about this, you know, as, as you form and love and pray for people, that they would follow Jesus. Are these five keys present in what you're forming in them?